This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Hi, and welcome to Den Talks. This is Tal, and I'm your host, and I'm the founder of Den Meditation. I'm here today to chat with Sophie Sheesh. She's a French-American entrepreneur, a lifelong optimist, and a sweat activist. She's the founder and CEO of Shape House, an urban sweat lodge. They are neighbors here over in Studio City. She opened her first one six years ago, and since then, celebrities, wellness influencers, and all those in search of a spiritual approach to wellness have flocked to Shape House. Now they have 10 locations in just six years. She's a psychologist by trade, a speaker, and a writer. She's written for several renowned international publications, including Psychologies Magazine, VSD, and Elle. She also served as an executive coach for very high-powered corporations. We chat about sweating and what it means to remove all of the toxins from your body, what all the benefits that you receive are, and why it's important to do this. What I love about her is everything about this has a holistic approach. One appointment of sweating leads to positive thinking, better eating, better sleep, and so much more. We also dive into her own journey of how she got here. She was over 300 pounds. We chat about how she got there and how she started to listen to her own voice. And only then did she start shedding the pounds and what it means to finally see yourself clearly. It's a little scary when you don't know who you are for that many years. She has powerful words and she has a really powerful story. We have an incredible offer for everyone who listens to this episode. You get a free sweat at Shape House. So if you listen all the way to the end, you'll find out exactly how you can recoup that. So I'm so excited to be here today sitting with Sophie Sheesh, like chic, but sheesh, we've discussed this. (laughs) She's the founder of Shape House, an urban sweat lodge, and our neighbors in Studio City, which we love. She's a sweat activist, and she's an unbelievable force of inspiration. This woman speaks with intention, and I'm so thrilled to have her speak with you. So 10 locations, and it's your six-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you excited? Does it, like, does it, do you feel it? You know, what I feel is a little bit like probably someone who has a lot of children. Like, I'm excited (laughs) that there's a new child, but it's also like, I have 10 children, you know? So it's like, I'm still, I'm still running the rest of the show, you know? So every time we add one, which we just opened the Studio City one next to you, like a couple months ago. Nothing made us happier that it was not another mattress store. We were so happy you were next door to us. We were literally like, wait, it's already all our friends Could not be more symbiotic. Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, but seriously, I mean, you had an idea. I'm guessing some people thought you were crazy. Yes. Before you started, I got I went through that too. Yes. And it's six years later and you have 10 yes. locations in New York and Los Angeles, yes. which is like, it's insane. I mean, you should be so proud and you were literally changing people's lives. So does that ever, do you ever look back and go, that is true. Six years ago, people thought I was insane. And now look. You know, it, it is funny. It, it, it doesn't hit me so much as when I'm doing my regular practice or when I think about the business, but sometimes I'll be at a dinner, which I was six years ago, and I would say, this is what I want to do. And people would literally be like, what are you, a giraffe? Like, it seems so <laughs> inconceivable. Like, people are like, what? You're going to make people sweat? Like, what are you talking about? Now I run into people and th- when they find out what I do, it just happened to a dinner yesterday, two days ago. And this woman was like, oh my God, let me introduce. And then she runs me through the whole thing and like meets me, like meets the husband who the husband has been wanting to go for like a year. And he's like, oh my God, you You're like it. And he was celebrity. like looking at me. Oh, it was so cute. It was so cute. I mean, no, I'm certainly not that, but it's fun to 
It is, it is moving for me the way you do, is that the way we enter people's lives really helps them. You know, there's something about it that's just not, it's not a, a, a good idea. It's something that actually, I mean, it is a good idea, but it's something that really people actually walk in them. and it really helps them and it changes people's, I mean, I hear them all day long, you know, telling me how they couldn't get out of bed and their kids this and their sister that. And, it, it, you know, it's very moving. It's moving. It, it doesn't, imp- it, I'm not proud, but I'm touched. It's well, a very I'm different feeling. Okay. And you, sh- and by the way, you've been doing that for six years. You've been helping people for six years. That's amazing. It is. And it really is. That's really a gift. Thank you. So let's back up a little bit for people who do not know what Shape House is, which I'm sure you do, but if you don't. So it is an urban sweat lodge and it is so fun. So basically you go in. With a beautiful lobby, and they give you your they give you clothes. You can bring your own clothes if you yes. want to sweat in it. But I kind of love that you gave me yes. some. I love that I didn't have to deal with it. I didn't have to bring That's home anything the point. sweaty. You just, exactly, you it's don't amazing. Have to deal with it afterwards. So you kind of put on like scrubs, yes. like for backup, right? Yes. You put on like scrubs, and you get into this very comfortable bed that has like a heavy sleeping bag. Yes sleeping bag yes. of heat. Yes. So you're like, I always feel like, I felt like I was a caterpillar in a cocoon, like, yes. which I loved. <laughs> it was so warm and beautiful. Your head's out though, which I also loved because there was like some fresh air. Exactly. And you're set up with a remote control and amazing television, basically Netflix, Hulu, like whatever it is you want to watch. Uh-huh. So you go in with a show in mind and water, which I've never drank more water. We'll talk about in a second because yes. I'm actually, I don't drink a lot of water. Um, water. And then someone comes in and gives you like a beautiful, like, uh, like a, a wet rag right, right when you feel like you're getting too hot. And it's yes. amazing. And they check in on you. Yes. And so I always say at the very, very, very least, you're getting almost an hour to yourself of doing nothing but relaxing and watching TV. That's, that's like the least of it. That's exactly but right. But you do leave. Like I remember, I was, I'm so relaxed when I leave. So Good. unbelievably relaxed. Good. And you do, you feel like you're ready to conquer the world. I'm like, all right, I'm never, I'm going to eat my healthiest. I'm going to, I want to, I just feel, it feels great. So just so people know, that's the experience. I should hire you as my publicity. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the best definition I've ever heard. And it's 50 minutes or 55? It's 55 in the bed. I actually lose track every single It's 55 time. minutes in the bed. And the last 10 minutes are not easy. I'm sure you've experienced that. So whatever i <laughs> described to you, the last 10 minutes are not as easy. And you need to know that because when you're in the bed, there's a moment where it becomes a little bit like, well, I don't know that I can do this. But but it is a workout. It's like people think of it as like, maybe I'm in bed at home watching TV. Well, you know, you wouldn't be burning you know, a thousand calories if you're just laying there. But talk about that. So it is a workout. Like what is the point at that point, like those 10 minutes, why is this sweating different than other types of sweating? It's actually very different. That's a good question. It's very different because what's happening, so they've done this really interesting research where they took 300. So it's not 25,000, but it's also not, you know, three. So they took these people (laughs) and they, they, they measured the percentage of toxicity that was in their sweat in a very traditional way of sweating. So like bicycling and running, they measured what was in that water that came out of people's body, what was in that sweat, like what, what percentage was toxicity. And when people are doing it more traditionally, it's in like five, six percent. Great. Not bad. Not good. Then they do it in more what we do. Actually, they, when they did the experiment, it wasn't as efficient as what we do. So even that num- So, but even that number is fantastic. When you do it in sweating, when you're resting, which is what you do with us, the percentage of, of toxicity in your sweat is 28%. We're not talking a little bit more. We're wow. talking a lot more. No, that's a huge difference. And when people ask us, it's always, you know, the conversation often lends into like, do you think it's better than working out? It's like, no, it's not. What, it's like, you're asking me if dancing is better than yoga. So yoga. Me, is meditation better than running? I'm it's like, kind it's of like, two it's, two it's two different things. Yeah. It's two different things. And it's even in working out, there's different ways to move. It's like, Absolutely. whatever it is, just engage your body in doing something good for you is a good thing, you know? But in terms of detoxing and releasing what would, 
maybe we can call poison, which is what it is, like bad stuff for your body, it really is a very efficient way. And the reason it's actually more efficient than when you're doing more traditional working out is because your muscles are not engaged. When you think of it, like when you're working out, it's like yeah. you're, you're, you're like, well, you're, you're, you're pushing your muscles to, to, to shape, which is the point. Yeah. You don't build muscle when you're sweating with us, <laughs> clearly. But which, what's happening is because your muscles are relaxed, the water is able to go through in a much more efficient way. And so it's carrying out more water. Actually, you sweat more than if you were working out. And you release more toxins. And you release more. Clearly exactly. from that test. Exactly. So what kind of toxins are released through sweat that aren't released through like urination? That is such a good question. And so if you know anything about the body, I'm not a doctor, so I can't speak from that place, but the body doesn't do things randomly. Would you agree with that? Like the body doesn't yeah. just like, I'm breathing because why not? It's like, you know, it keeps me busy. Yeah, it's we like trying to get rid of things we don't need anymore. Exactly. Right. The body knows really well too. So the reason we have a system that is literally makes your entire body get wet in seconds it's a very efficient system. It's like it has to do something to our body that's really helpful. So what's happening is when people don't sweat, which by the way, do you know that people are putting Botox under their arms lately? I, I heard, that, you heard was like, of that. I heard to that was stop the, them I think from sweating. One of my friends actually did that who had like a sweating problem. Yes. Well, a sweating problem is a problem that needs to be fixed, not to just like eradicate the right. symptom, you know? But in any case, so people do that to stop their I'm bodies like, from sweating. By the way, sweating. I'm holding my armpits. Like all of a sudden, like I'm just standing here and like, <laughs> I'm like, conscious. why? I look like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it would be like people, you know, you drink water all day and you'd never pee. It's like, right. how long would it last until you like explode, right. you know? And so sweating is, 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 a, is a, I can't tell you which toxins go one way or the other, but there are things that cannot get out of your body, but by sweating. And so if you're not sweating, it's not like, oh, but I worked out, it, it went out this other way. It really didn't. So there's residues from medicine when you were a kid. There could be residues from like food, you know, that we eat that is not necessarily Can organic. you actually have residues from that long ago? Like, that, so let me tell you a really funny story. That's really interesting. Wait, let me tell said. you a funny story. Yes, so we have a thing where um, we have a like a protocol that you can do, which is a 14 days. We call it the 14 day challenge, which that's its name is very clearly indicate. It's a 14 day where you come every day and you pay whatever 14 day sessions is, you know, six, seven, seven hundred, whatever it is. And then if you come to all the sessions, we actually reimburse you. Because you committed to like yourself for an hour a day, which is the point. You'd be surprised how many people don't actually do it. Right. By five minutes, by the way, often. It's like they just like they late the last day, five minutes. But that's besides the point. So this friend of mine was actually, I know her from outside. It's like I hang out with her all the time. And that one day, it was the 13th day of her 14th day, right? The 13th day of her 14 days. Yeah. And I'm hugging her on the way out and she reeked of weed. Like the kind that's like so strong that you're kind of getting high just hugging her. Like literally, like I was like, whoa, <laughs> like what's going on? You're like, please don't smoke. In and, and I was like, honey, like, I don't care, like ethically, but what, what are you, when are you doing that? Like I hang out with you all the time. Like, when do you smoke weed? And she said, I haven't touched weed in three years. And I was like, what? <laughs> so it all seems coming out of her. Wow. Right? Three because years. what was happening, it's like, because the first day you kind of, you know, the first sweat, you eliminate whatever you did this week or last week, you know, the second sweat, third sweat. But if you do it like 14 days in a row, it's got to go deeper. Is there like, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm asking some stupid No, no, no. It's not stupid I'm at all. not good with the science part of pretty much anything. Um, so is there like a layer of, I don't know if it's fat or is there a layer of something that like sweating also helps break through so the toxins can come out more? So, or yes. is it just, or is it just the process of getting the water out? You're not seeing the visual that what she's doing. But I know. I'm like, like literally like Hawaiian. It's like Hawaiian <laughs> dancing or something. Like, so yes and no. It's like, again, I'm not a doctor, so I can't speak from this place, but basically think of it as like, there's your skin and then there's your bone. In between, there's muscle, there's fat, there's myofascia, there's like blood, you know, all that stuff that's going around. 
every time we, every time you sweat, stuff gets released that all of that gets to function better. Right. So whether it's your, in your digestive system, whether it's in your eyes, whether it's like anywhere in your body where it's supposed to have a function, when you remove the crap, it functions better. It's that simple. It's like you take your car to the garage, you know, whenever it's not running well, they do whatever, it runs better. So like your eyes are really twinkly and sparkly. Is that because you sweat? <laughs> it's because I'm looking at you and it's really fun. Oh, um, you know, it, it does. It does help your eyes actually. Because I mean, your you eyes really reflect, have very bright eyes. Thank you. It reflects, it reflects your health, you know? So it, eyes, skin, you know, all of that is a reflection of what's going on inside. Like w- when we first opened Shape House, it makes me laugh because it's such a, LA thing, but it's like makeup artists, which there is a lot of, found out about what we were doing and they were sending, like, we didn't even know who they were. They were just like, I came because my makeup artist told me to come. And we were like, well, who's your makeup? Like, it wasn't even the same people. It was just like a weird right. secret, you know, among, you know, the society of like makeup artists. But basically what was happening is if you sweat regularly, your skin is like, there's nothing you can do with makeup that makes your skin actually look healthy. I mean, you know, you can put a ton of it, but then you look like you're wearing a ton of makeup. You don't look healthy, you know? Yeah. And so basically what was happening is these women that were coming to us and then they would get their makeup, the, the makeup artists would be like, what did you do? Like your skin is like translucent, like what's going on, you know? So eyes, skin, you know, like all of that, it just, it, it functions better as well. So yeah, let's talk about some of the benefits. So clearly we just said skin. Yes. Uh, sparkly, twinkly sparkly, eyes. Sparkly, twinkly eyes. Um, so what else? I mean, I know there's a ton, but... Well, think of it as like, it's funny because lately people are asking me like, what, what is it good? Like, what do I, it's like, what do you have? The question is really, what do you have? Because whatever the person was asking was wanting to come, whatever okay. you have. I'll yes. go. <laughs> no, then I'll go. Okay. I would say um, a bad back. Yes. I would say I'm not a good sleeper. Okay. I would say. Check, check. Yeah. Not a good sleeper, <laughs> bad back. I'm trying to think of like the really bad. Stress. Yes. Um, and then, so I would say like my adrenals probably are a little shot and um, those are probably the things like, how about dehydrated? Oh, I never drink. Yeah. That's my own fault. I'm like a camel. It's a horrible thing. (laughs) You're like, you can go all day without peeing. I'm like, I do go all day without (laughs) peeing. I'm like, I never drink water. It's the worst. I'm horrible at it. It runs in my family. Like, it's bizarre. My grandmother didn't like water. My mom doesn't like water. I don't, it's just any, like you don't like any water. I mean, I drink it, clearly. I you have, have to. to. Yes, yes. Um, but, but not like... A- I really have to almost be thirsty to do it. I try and be more mindful. I do drink a lot of um, herbal tea. That okay. saves me. That's water. It's huge. Like, yeah. that saves me because I love tea. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a caffeine drinker. Never okay. have been. Like, okay. I mean, you do not want me on caffeine. That would be <laughs> That would be double whammy. That'd be crazy. Because you're kind of already pretty dynamic. I'm like, I always tell people, people like, you don't drink coffee. I'm like, do you want me to? And then they're like, no, actually, I don't. <laughs> I don't drink coffee either. I'm wait, you don't? No. I've, and I have a lot of, I mean, I have a ton of energy, so I don't. Yeah. 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 Have you always not? Like, were you? Or I used to drink, uh, you know, when I lived in Paris, I have this memory of myself uh, sitting at a terrace. And the thing was um, espresso with sugar. So very, very tight espresso, which honestly, if I did one of those today, I think my heart would actually come out of my chest. And like, you know what's funny is every, the times I do drink coffee are usually weirdly when I'm traveling and I'm like, I just want to sit at a cafe and drink exactly. some coffee. Right. And I'll yes. have an espresso and really I'm actually okay. You're actually okay. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't know why, but then I'm not. if you ask like my old team at NBC, if if my assistant was ever like, she had coffee today, it's rare. I saved it for like once but or if twice you did. a year because that meant like I hadn't slept and we had scripts. <laughs> The whole team was like, oh, that's going to be a bad day. Because they would be like, but it's funny. They'd be sitting there exhausted, like yeah. cups and cups. And I'd have half of a coffee and, like, and I'd more. be like dancing. Right. Like, so let's do this script. Again, I wish you had the visual, your, your <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but yeah, but keep going. So yeah. you. Well, I was going to say the coffee is an interesting one because we're in a society right now, especially since, you know, not to name them, but Starbucks is selling coffees every corner. What's happening is every you're tired. Style. 
you drink coffee and it's like, you're still tired. You're right. just now jacking up your, you know, you're just pushing your energy to like do something it really shouldn't be doing. And so people don't rest. It's like, that's the thing. When people ask me, like, what do you do? You don't drink coffee. And it's like, no, when I'm tired, I rest. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't want to push my body. Are you a big medicine person? Do you take like a lot of meds? I like, don't take meds. No, at I mean, all. Like what if you have a headache? I mean, I, I will take Advil once in a while. Like if I sometimes once every blue moon, really, I don't, I don't, I mean, my body doesn't, I don't need it because when you sweat You're like, regularly, I sweat like, now. I don't need anything. Exactly. It's like when you sweat regularly, it's like you get the, the crap out of it. It's like, would you take, you give like a lot of medicine to a 10 year old. It's like when you're 10, you don't need that many medicine, right? So I mean, anti-aging then on that point. Well, yes. And by the way, that's like the latest conversation I've been having on a lot of like magazines that are interviewing me. It's like this idea that it's, it's we, we I don't think we age as much as we think. I really don't think that we age. Basically the process is at I some point that. your body is just filled. Like, why do you think at 50 you react? Well, you're not yet, but you'll see. Like, I just Down you know, there. I turned 50 <laughs> last year and it's like clearly there are things I cannot do now that I could do when I was 20 without paying a price but what is that like is it my body completely like you know falling apart or is it that my systems are just like taxed with too much toxins too much crap in general too much stress too much of all those things we talked about earlier but basically your body no longer has the ability to heal itself I think what we're losing when we're aging is the ability to repair and the reason we can't repair is because our, our bodies are busy fixing all this stuff that we're doing. By the way, we do it to ourselves. It's like, would you put in your car, like, I don't know, bananas instead of gas? You wouldn't do that. You know why you wouldn't do that? Because your car would break down like instantly. Like you, you could do what, like half a, not even half a mile. Like your body, your car would be like, I'm done, you know, go get gas. We do that to our bodies. We don't sleep enough. We eat crap. We don't like our jobs. We're in a shitty relationships, all that stuff. And then we're like, oh, I don't feel so good. It's like, well, really? How, you know? um... It's interesting because basically the, through sweating, you're removing these toxins, which it sounds like are the evil of all evils, really. It's what, like you said, slow you down and all yes. that stuff. Yes. Do you feel like that is a conversation now that is happening more? People are way more aware of that because it is something that, quote unquote, you can't see. I feel like people blame a lot of other things for their problem. Like like I said, whether it's your bad back or whether right. it's I get sick a lot or I'm overtired, there's always a different reason. Right. No, I don't think everyone's been trained to look inward of like what toxins are. Right. Do you feel like that's becoming way more prevalent? I think so. And I don't know. Yes, I do. I don't think that people necessarily relate to it that way, but I do think that people relate uh, with the idea that we, preventatively we can do things. I think for a long time, you would go to the doctor when you were broken and they would fix you. And now I think people are thinking a little bit ahead of it where maybe I don't let myself break, so I don't need to fix it. Like, I think there is a consciousness of keeping what we have, maybe because the cost of healthcare is so high <laughs> so that people true. almost are thinking of it as like, like you wouldn't, again, you wouldn't run your car to the ground. You, you maintain your car so that you don't have to spend as much money to fix the whole thing. It's the same idea. It's like, if, if I keep my body well, then I'm not going to need to like have all these surgeries and all these other things that my body, I mean, obviously I'm not talking, there are some conditions that are of course, complicated, of course. but if you're healthy to begin with, it's like, hold on to that. Like, just try do your best to keep it and not instead of like starting to react when you break down and now, you know, you all over the place trying to fix a problem that you could have not had if you had just, you know, sweated once in a while. <laughs> so what, and why do some people sweat naturally more than others? Do you know? Like, is that? I do the same way, you know, why do people hair grow more? How do, you know, nails? It's like we have different systems and sweating is one of those. There's some people that don't sweat at all or they come to us having not sweated 
literally I'll sit there and I'll be like, so when was your last sweat? And they'll be like, uh, when I was in high school, you know, and they're in their fifties. Wow. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, what are you doing? Like they the never break a sweat. They don't, they just don't break a sweat. I mean, a lot of people just don't literally, I mean, we in a culture where we just sit at our desk, you know, just type, I mean, we used to run in the farms and, you know, just do from morning to night, you know, we just run around. Now we just sit there. So the body is not really meant to do that. Sweating is a way for the body to eliminate what it doesn't need. The same way it, you, when you, all of the substance that comes out of your body is like stuff you don't need. Sweating is the same way. So it's basically a very natural way that your body can say, you know what, that is not helpful. We're going to take it out. And it has a mean to do so because the body is very smart. But yet, would you recommend people like going out and having a bender at night and then being like, I'm just going to go sweat in the morning and get it out? Well, yes. And I don't want to advertise that. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I mean, yes, it does help. Leave it to you, me. You, no, it's all right. I mean, actually, it's a hard sweat. It is the hard the sweat. I was going to say, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel good, first of all, because alcohol dehydrates you like crazy. So does coffee. So when you do a lot of coffee, which often people who do a lot of coffee do a lot of alcohol, it's kind of a thing. You know, you do caffeine to get up and then you do, you know, wine to calm down. It's like it's a bit of a people use substance that way. Right. You know, not everyone, but. It's often because people don't realize. And it's very innocent in that. Like it's, it's, it can be very socially, innocent. It's socially very yeah. accepted. You know, it's like, well, of course I have sugar all day long. It's like, well, you know what you do when you do sugar? It's like your insulin boosts and then you're like out of control and then you feel exhausted because your body's trying to process the sugar. It's like, I don't do sugar. I don't touch sugar whatsoever because to me it's just as bad as doing, you know, alcohol or coffee. It's like it's, it has an effect on your body that prevents you from knowing What's going on with your body? Which I want to know. I want to know if I'm tired. I want to know if I'm, you know, if if I need more sleep or if my skin is itchy, like what's going on. It's like, I want to know. And it's like, if you take all these substances, you just don't know. It's funny. I say the same thing all the time. Like, because if, if I've had surgery or this, I'm not a big painkiller person. Like, I'll take it if I really, really, really need yeah. it. Yeah. But it's rare. And people are like, why not? And I'm like, because I feel like if something's hurting, yes. I should know it's hurting. So yes. I don't use it. Like, why am I yes. trying to numb that? Yes. And then hopefully it'll get better. And yes. then, that's always been my thing, too. Yes. Same thing with. I don't sleep well. People are like just take sleeping pills. I'm yes. like, no, but I feel like if yes. I'm not sleeping well, I either have to figure it out or figure out my life. Why? Like, I gotta, yeah, yes. it's like, yes. I feel like that's just masking the problem. Yes. Which a lot of people honestly want to do. Of course, it's because easy. It's, it's, well, I don't know that it's easy actually. Eventually, in the long run, I think it's actually much harder. But what's happening is we're a culture. I mean, you see it around your kids, I'm sure. It's like people are like, don't cry, you know, don't be sad. It's like, don't, you know, it's like people are trained to not feel their feelings. So then they grow up and now they have anger, they have sadness, they have loneliness. They don't know what to do with it. Alcohol seems to work or, you know, sugar seems to help. So they go do that. But it's like, can we go back in time and like teach people? It's like, you're sad. All right, well, let's sit with that. Why are you sad about it? What's going on? Or can you cry? Or can you cry with me? And I think we are, we've become a society that's very, um, very masked, you know, like we kind of wear these masks all the long. You, how are you? I'm fine. And it's like, you don't sound fine. Right. Because what's going on? But it's like we, our culture has really um, gone away from what it feels. And I think all these substances are really meant to cover that. Sorry for the interruption, but there's some special things happening at the den we want to make you aware of. We get asked all the time about retreats or how people can participate in what Den has to offer if they don't live near a location. Well, we have an amazing four-day silent retreat in an insane location in Malibu. It's November 8th through 11th, and Heather Preet, our senior mindfulness teacher, will be leading it. This is an incredible lifetime experience, so go to denretreats.com for more information or to sign up. Also, and this news is exciting, and if you've joined our secret Facebook page, you already know all of this, we are starting Den Talks Live. We're taking this podcast live once a month, so you have the chance to come and hear some of these amazing people speak in person. There's always going to be a Q&A at the end, so you'll always have a chance to ask questions too. Sometimes it's going to be interviews like we're doing here, deep one-on-ones, and sometimes there'll be panels with incredible guests creating inspiring discussion. 
Okay, our first one is Saturday evening, November 10th. We have Marianne Williamson coming to the den. So go to denmeditation.com to get your space. It is an intimate setting. There aren't a ton of tickets available, so run, don't walk. And again, like I mentioned, we started our Secrets Den Talks Facebook page. There's always extras and discussion topics on there to continue the conversation. So go to Facebook and search Den Talks Podcast. Make sure Den Talks is one word, and then come join our group. Talk to me a little bit about the spiritual angle of all this, because it's one of the things I love about you. Yes. And, um, and you know, we, we, you were even starting it when we were talking before we, we were recording that we were talking about the six years and you were kind of automatically looking at it as like, yes, yeah. it's six years old. And you're talking about children, where they are yes. and how they bring in the spiritual side. But also, look, something doesn't last six years. That's just a trend. It lasts yes. six years because there's yes. more happening than, than hey, that. I'm just going to go sweat. Obviously, yes. more is happening to these people as a yes. whole and the entirety. So talk to me yes. about that. Thank you for asking that. Um, not everybody wants to hear the deeper stuff. You know, for me, <laughs> I experienced it in myself at first. The first the first I discovered this technology, I personally sweated 200 days in a row. Wow. Mostly, <laughs> the joke is mostly because if I hurt somebody, it should be me. If I, <laughs> and if I was going to devote my life to, to something, it, you know, it, I had to try it. So I did a lot of it. And midway, like maybe 90 into, I was really aware that something was shifting from almost like a DNA perspective. Like I could see that I was reacting really differently to things. Like driving was different. My way of interacting with people was different. And all I could track it down was I was sweating more. And so I did a little bit more research in my own particular journey because I've, I've been meditating since I was you know, 16, I think was my first, 17 was my first time. And so to me, meditation is, uh, is, is very part of my life, you know, very integrated. Um, what I find with sweating is that it kind of gets me to the heart of that. Like almost like I don't, I can't even watch TV. Like if I'm watching TV, I still will experience when I come out of my sweat, like a state that I recognize as I dropped inside of my heart. So it's, it's almost like it happens, you know, in spite of me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's did almost, that happen through the experience or right from the beginning? Like when you first started, or is that something that I, all of a sudden? I, I became aware of it midway. Like I feel like it took, it took the first few times and I was just like, oh, it feels great. Like I was feeling an experience of peace. You know, there was a story when I first started the, the company where um, when I was 10 years old, I was in Jerusalem and at the wall, as you know, you put a little note with a wish and I wished for a horse and for peace in the world. And <laughs> horse and peace in the world. Horse and peace in the world. <laughs> horse first. <laughs> you know, I was Priorities, 10. come on. I was 10. You're 10. <laughs> but um, my father, who died two years ago, reminded me that I got the horse. And he was very, like, kind of in intuiting that I was really committed to this peace in the world thing. And to me, that's spirituality. Like, I don't, I'm not a religious person. What interests me and when people are more spiritual and when they meditate, so they become more centered and more loving and more in their hearts. You know, that is the practical. I'm a very practical meditator. Like, I'm not, I'm me not too. hoping for like something in the next, you know, 17 life. It's like, I'm living this life and All I right. want to have an interaction that's, you know, as loving as possible with everyone. So, so sweating, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but sweating has this, um, this very deep effect on my cells that if ever I'm not centered, it centers me. It, it kind of, it, it removes the noise. Like it removes the, the whatever is not the spiritual part of my being. Well, look, I mean, some Eastern doctors and like meditators or monks would actually say, unlike the science, it's like you're removing the toxins. Yes. You actually yes. have 
I'm trying to remember what book I read where they were saying, once you can remove the toxins, you actually start getting access yes. to the spiritual connection yes. and being able to yes. act. So, I mean, it actually makes yes. complete sense. It's like you're literally... You're removing what's preventing you from elevating. And if we want to look at it a little bit woo-woo-ish, if we all are all vibrating, yes. and the higher you can vibrate, the yes. more you can connect to yourself yes. and to the universe, yes. you only vibrate higher when you're cleaner. Yes. Yes, and when you do substances, you know, like we were saying earlier, again, not an ethical, I don't judge people who do it. It's just, you, 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 it's a shortcut that kind of takes away from the actual result. It's like, I don't think, when I, I did, I didn't do drugs when I was a kid, but I did a little bit of like just hallucinating. Dabbled, I doubled a little bit. And I could see that there was a, it's a very tempting thing because it, it, it brings you to a state Ooh. without, right? Like it oh, kind absolutely. Of, but I'm not interested in doing that anymore because it's like, I want the journey. I don't want just the destination. Like I want to do the work that gets me to get to know myself. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I love that idea of like sit in a chair and sweat and get to know yourself a little yes. bit better. And that's exactly, it's funny because recently, not that long ago and it's I've done I don't know thousands of sweats by now but I was having a sweat recently maybe two months ago and all of a sudden I was like I turned off the TV because I could feel something was happening that I was not very familiar with and I turned off the TV and I'm like with myself and I'm like shit like I could feel my blood I could literally like I was aware of where my blood was circulating, was circulating. I was literally like I mean it wasn't a physical it's hard to explain it was almost like I, I, I was inside myself but I mean I kind of love that for people who use substances because people say that even with meditation it's like you can get the same reaction yes, yes. just naturally and you're basically saying yes. it's like super trippy which yes. is great it's a very super trippy <laughs> which is great <laughs> what about like the yin and the, the yin and the yang of it like so for yeah. instance I am someone who craves like restorative things. That's why yes. I like meditation. Yes. It's, and I used to be a huge athlete. I used to just yes. always be like running every right. sport possible. Right. Yeah. But I crave like restorative. Maybe yeah. I've just gotten tired and lazy. Who knows? Um, and anytime I've ever seen some sort of doctor, they're always like, yes, you have way too much heat in you. Yes. Like that's your issue. So yes. you need to, to cool down. Cool down. Right. So what's interesting about what you're providing is weirdly a mix. It's clearly like restorative in the sense like you are literally lying there and yes. restoring your energy, yes. your cleansing, you're yes. spiritually taking care of yourself, yes. but you're generating heat. Yes. So like, how do you like reconcile that? What is that about like the yin and the yang of that? I wonder if you, why you're seeing heat as like a non-restorative, like I find- you're right, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, well, what I'm thinking is like people that are doing cryotherapy, you know, which is like, yes. that to me feels like something I wouldn't want to do as a restorative thing. Like it doesn't feel restorative. It feels True. like very, like, it, you know, it's like it it's jolts, me. It jolts yeah. me, you know? Sweating is interesting because when you think of it, your body knows that experience. It's like what we're doing is we we- we kind of faking you having a fever a little bit. Like we, we're making your body think that it has a fever and then it has to cool down because that's how it cools down when you actually have a fever. And so by exercising this like extreme, like exposed to this extreme thing, it's like you're making your body kind of like get in gear. You know that idea? Like I've always wondered, that's funny. I don't know that we would get so philosophical, but Let's like I've always wondered like, like if we're lucky, although we might be on our way now, but if we're lucky, we're probably not going to go to war. Like we're not going to be in the trenches, especially women, I guess, at this time of day, whatever. But how would I be if I was in that extreme of a case? Like, would I be someone that shares my my bread with this person who's hungry? Oh, like, I ask if I'm, this question all the time. I'm like always wondering. Like, I want to know who I would be in conditions that are not like, oh, I live in LA and it's like yo yo happy, you know? Of course. So to me, heat is a little bit like that. Like, it puts you in a situation, it puts your body in a position where you kind of have to see who's there. Like, what is going on when you're like facing and the you're thing? Stuck a little and bit. you're stuck you're and really, you can't yeah. get out. And it's like you're uncomfortable. Do you push through? Do you take your arms out? Do you like whine yourself? It's like, what do you do to like? How do you and I like seeing that as um, 
almost like as a practice. You know, that is a practice. It is a practice. You're like sitting when you don't want to sit down there and when you don't want to do the thing. And, you know, we do have the TVs and people often ask me, like, why don't you let people? First of all, I do let people meditate if they want to. It's not. But because the heat is 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 an experience that they're not used to actually thinking um being present in the moment actually prevents you from sweating because literally you're sitting there going like, how hot is this going to get? What does she mean? Am I going to sweat? Am I not sweating? How long is this going to be? Should I take my arms out? Like that whole thing is actually preventing you from sweating better. That's so interesting because that goes back to your first comment of like the tenser you are, the less productive you are with releasing your toxins. Exactly. So like even the mental stress can actually add a little bit of tenseness that you're not even thinking about. Yes. When if you're watching TV, the point of it is that your mind is somewhat occupied. It's like the trick of like, you know, I do this while you, again, you don't have the visual, but it's like the magician. It's like we're over here doing this other thing so that this thing can happen. It's like, I've had much better sweat. I've tried it every which way, like complete silence and complete stillness and my arms in, my arms out. Like I tried it all because, you know, it's my business. I wanted to know everything about it. It's like, I have better sweats when I watch a really good TV thing and I'm laughing and I'm relaxing and I'm like having fun doing something because my body is in some ways independently from my brain doing its own thing. So you're 15 years old. Yes. And um, 15 years ago. Yes. Like you look back. Yes. How, and this, is that before you started sweating 15 years ago? Oh, yes. Yeah. I started sweating six years ago. Oh, so you started and opened yes. it very quickly. Okay, yes. got it. So let's yeah. say 15 years ago yes. or even 10 years ago. Yes. What did your life look like? Exactly 10 years ago. Well, first of all, I was 350 pounds. That's so crazy. So I've lost 200 of them, which is exciting. Um, Amazing. And I, you know, I was, I'm writing a book and it, it, a lot of it is about the journey of the weight. And part of what I'm discovering as I'm writing, which is surprising to me, is how big of a life I had even when I was that heavy. Because for some reason, my experience of myself was that it stopped me from doing things. Like it was an impairment a little bit to be that heavy. But when I look at my life and all the stuff I've done and all the trips I've taken and all the men I've been with and all the things I've done and all the, it didn't. It's like it it wasn't, which is kind of a sweet, like kind of self- it's, loving realization. It's beautiful. And it's also interesting to say why you couldn't see that. You know yes, what I mean? That's, what it was happening. Well, because I think, I think I, I'm not saying everybody should or is, but I was in pain. It was a painful experience too, especially because 350 pounds in Paris is a bit like, you know, no, I mean, 700. So like, they're like, waff, like they're, they're way thin there. <laughs> 700 pounds anywhere else, you know? So it was, it was excruciating really. Were you always heavy? I started being heavy when I was 10 years old. I gained the equivalent of 80 pounds when I was 10. Wow. Which is a lot on a little child. That's very quickly, yes. And yeah, it went really fast. Do you, if you, like, do you remember why or like when you look back? I do. I was raised by someone I loved and she got really sick and very skinny and died. And I made the conclusion that skinny was not a good thing. And I just started eating and eating and eating. And I mean, there's a few elements but and when who I was, was who was that for you she was my nanny she she raised me when I was a kid and my parents were traveling a lot and she was in charge of everything and for her she was Spanish and she would say mastica that was like her thing which is you know chew your chew, food yeah. but um she would never let us take get out of the table if we fin- if we didn't finish our plate you know it was a pretty big deal to her like a healthy baby a healthy person was a fat person you know so somehow when she died I think I made partly a decision to honor her and to kind of like keep her, maybe even keep her with me, you know, by, by literally putting on the kind of weight that's a full person, you know, 200, 200 pounds is two people potentially. <laughs> and then how was, I mean, and you're right, like living in France, that's not easy. Like, so then how, how did that affect your childhood? You know, it was, it was hard. It was hard to, it was hard for multiple reasons because pretty much everything 
you do, you have to think about it. Like you go to a restaurant, there's a chair, you have to, you know, you look at the chair and you think there's a good chance it's going to break if I sit on that chair. You know, it doesn't happen as much in the States because I think if nothing else, liability, you guys have chairs that are just bigger and stronger. (laughs) People don't fall. (laughs) Just that. Um, But, you know, you get on a plane, it's like you have to ask for an extension for the seatbelt. You know, it's like everything you do when you start, like a guy flirts with you, you kind of like wonder if he really flirts with you because you're so fat. Like, does he really want to be with you or is it going to be a problem? You know, it's, 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 it's kind of a filter through which everything has to be be put through. And it's it's difficult when you sit in a car. Or, I remember being with, on a motorcycle with a guy that I was really into. And as I got on the motorcycle, I thought to myself, shit, maybe there's a way that he can see my weight. Like for some reason, there was like this fear that on the measuring little thing in the front, like it actually was a, like a, it was a, a scale. scale. Like he could actually tell my weight, you know? And I was just, so I was like holding myself like kind of up, you know, to- As not, if that would change As the if weight. that would make a difference. <laughs> actually, there's a scene in This Is Us. Have you watched This Is Us? I love This Is Us. Do you remember that scene where, you know, Chrissy, who's, you know, she's a head person yeah. she weighs herself and as she's on the, the the scale she actually backs off and takes these little yeah. mini earrings Earing. and takes them out you know as if that's going to make the difference on the whatever pound she is you know which I, I mean I just sobbed when I saw that because that was my life you know I mean it wasn't the earrings and it wasn't scale but it was the same thing like I would kind of like swallow my stomach like you know I was like 350 pounds were you just in a lot of pain all the time like were you physically it's I did it young enough I suppose that I, I never I think I'm a, I'm tall you know so my bones were probably strong I did see a photo recently it was an x-ray of a really large person you could see the shape of the body of the person but then you could see the bone structure in the middle which by the way yours and mine is pretty much the same I mean a little taller shorter whatever but it's not like my right. bone structure was out to, to you so know it's crazy to think that's what it's holds crazy it up. to think that's like my ankles like yeah. all of that was on my ankles you know like I just I saw this picture and I was just like oh my god like what did I do to my ankles and we so what was the shift for you that allowed you to start making those changes? I mean, that's a hard change to make. I mean, I mean, a lot of we, um, yes, it's, it is a hard. Sh- and by the way, I just read a, um, a statistic that only 0.1% of people that are obese actually resolve it. Wow. 0.1%. And that includes people that have surgery because they eventually somehow find a way to eat smaller amounts that are just richer and, you know, 0.1%. That's like really Well, because I would imagine there's a lot of emotional stuff that has to be that's healed. The, that's the thing. So yeah. I became a therapist in the middle there. Like I'm a psychologist by trade. And in the process of doing that, I really tackled the reason, you know, one of them being what we were saying earlier, which is like, feel your feelings. It's like, if you're sad and you don't feel it, it's like, you're going to stuff it one way or that or the other. My way was Nutella. I mean, I literally, <laughs> I, love I had, I had this visual of myself when I was a kid. I mean, I was eating Nutella so much. I would, I would literally, like I was thinking, I mean, obviously the medical reason wasn't there, but if you slice my thigh, it would like ooze out Nutella. <laughs> like I ate so much of it. I mean, I know it's gross, but it was just like, the sense that I was like made of Nutella, literally, you know, because I ate jars a day. And what else was it for you? Because I know this woman, like what, what, what were the emotional compounds for you that you had to like resolve in order to be able to start making the changes? I mean, the biggest one is I was, uh, my family is just a tiny bit, um, the boundaries are not very clear. I have a father who treats women, treated, he's dead now, but, you know, really looked at women as um, sexual objects, you know, including the ones that that lived in his house. And so I think I, I dealt with like a very um, predatorial kind of energy, you know, like there was a lot of 
um, there just was a lot of like the boundaries were, f- were foggy, you know, it's like jokes were made and I was treated as like this really beautiful young kid and I was taken to stores and like the, the person at the service counter would say like, well, ask your daughter, what does she think about that? And my father would say, you know, well, it's not, it's not my daughter, it's my girlfriend, you know, and I was like 10 years old, right? which is, you know, cute, whatever, but it's kind of creepy. Right. You know, really. <laughs> right. I mean, looking back, you know, when you're in it, you don't really realize that it's not a healthy thing because you're in it. But then you kind of grow up and your friends come to the house and he does it to the friends and it's kind of like, my friends don't like it. And it's like, what, wait, what's, that's not normal? And then you start to look at it. And then you start to look at it and it's like, why, why is everybody talking about my boobs all day long? And why is everybody, you know, like, why is my dad trying to put his tongue in my mouth when he says goodbye or, you know? So there was, the boundaries were not clear. And I think that kind of makes you want to, that made me want to, like kind of become a castle a little bit, like become a shape that was not, which by the way, I don't know if you've ever thought of that, um, but very skinny people and very fat people, it's the same process. Like you're removing everything that makes you look sexual, like hips and butt and boobs. In fact, when you get very skinny, you lose all that. And when you get very fat, you lose all that. Because, you know, when I was purposely like desexualizing yourself. You're totally making yourself into like this non-attractive thing, you know, to not risk the exposure, you know? So, so you became a therapist mm-hmm. and somewhere in there you started to pay attention to yourself. Yes, differently. But also I had a daughter. I have a daughter who was born in the midst of all that. And, you know, he, he, they started doing it with her as well. And that was more like that called the, you know, the mama, mama bear, bear. <laughs> the mama bear comes bear out. in me. And that became a whole different conversation because when it's on you, first of all, I think I coped, you know, like I, I, I ate. <laughs> Right. So I wasn't really aware of what really was happening. But when I saw the dynamic played out on her, that became like a whole, um, it made me, you know how they say when you have children, you kind of have to revisit your own, like every time they hit a new age, you have yeah. to go there, you know, to be with them. Right. While you hit your own crap that you didn't resolve. <laughs> so how do you feel like, you, I mean, that is really hard. So with your daughter, how do you feel like you really... Did things differently and was it hard for you like were you very conscious it was difficult of- it was difficult i remember this this period where she was going to go to visit with them by herself and she was at the age you know that i don't know if you yours is not there yet but you know teenagers get this like kind of very sexual energy oh, yes. you know like my daughter has my niece is bright hair and blue <laughs> eyes and she was this like stunning thing and she i could see it she would walk in a room and everybody would look at her and she had that kind of bright energy and she decided to go to paris you know for a week and i was like okay well i have to have the conversation with her because i'm not going to be there to protect and you know manage and so she needs to know and I sat her down, which is a conversation I never wish on anyone because it's a hard conversation to have. But I explained that her grandfather, you know, was her, his boundaries were not super clear and that if something felt funny, she was right, that she was she had the right to feel what she felt, which and I explained to her that I grew up without that right. Like in my family, you know, it's like we did it because that's what we do culturally. We just take pictures of kids naked. You know? Right. right. <laughs> were, you, were you angry at your mom at all for that? Yeah, probably more than my dad, actually. Because I think my dad was just, that was his way of expressing his, you know, affection. Mind you, very not the right but way. But like he didn't know. But he didn't really know. And I don't think he, I think it really was a cultural difference. Um, my mom my mom knew, I think, more. And, and she... You know, it protected the balance of the family. It's like, well, you can't, you, families are built on everyone's, if you don't work on your stuff, that's why I'm like obsessed with having people do work, even if it's not that much, but some, yeah. because otherwise it spills on your kids. There's no other way. Like, I don't think my parents woke up in the morning saying like, oh, let's go Can't torture to her up today. Let's, right. let's go torture our children today. Right. You know, absolutely not. But I do think that their lack of education and their lack of self-consciousness <clears throat> 
brought a lot of, of you know, mis, misguided kind of behavior. How, if you could give advice to people who are severely overweight, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how would you start the getting that 1% high? Was it 0.1 or 1? 0.1. Oh, God. Maybe how would one. you get that 0.1 to 1? <laughs> um, I mean, the food is obvious, you know? I think people understand the whole idea. Like, if you eat a lot more calories than what you burn, you're going to store. It's a pretty simple math. So that's not interesting advice. But it's also a hard one to tackle, I'm assuming, because it's to me, it's the most logical answer, but clearly the hardest one to actually, right? Because something's happening where like you're relating to food in a different way for whatever. Yeah, that's why I'm saying the food itself. It's like if you're eating, you know, burgers and shakes all day, there's a good chance you're just ingesting too much calories. That's, That's that. You know, so the first part for me was understanding the chemicals of, you know, a meal with like proper vegetables, with proper protein, with proper fat was a better option than, you know, sugars and breads, you know, so which is sugar. So that part, I think people are starting to understand that it, you know, what you ingest actually has an effect on the body. Right. (laughs) Um, the, The part that I find a little bit more subtle is actually around the self-love, because I think a lot of what was happening for me is as a fat person, the society makes you hate yourself or you let society to not, to not be a victim of it. But I allowed society to make me feel really bad about myself. And it's, it's, that becomes a choice you have to make differently. Like you have to start loving yourself enough that every bite is, is an act of love. You know, that's what I did when I first started doing the shift in my food, I would literally look at the afternoon I had and I would look at my lunch and I would say, well, do you want to take a nap all afternoon? Because if you want to do that, you can do, you know, fries and burgers and shakes that will do. That'll probably make you nap. Or if you want a dynamic kind of like lots of energy, you're probably better off with a piece of, you know, fish and and chicken or whatever you eat, you know, but like vegetables and, and protein and eggs or whatever. So the, the, the decision on what to eat instead of like people still treat food as like a reward. We, we reward for me is health and energy. That's the reward. You know, right. so when it was my birthday recently and people were like, it's your birthday. I know you don't eat sugar, but you should eat a little bit of sugar. And I was like, I don't do a little bit of heroin on my birthday. <laughs> like I just, it's, to me, it's, it's that, it's that, you know, it's like, why, why is that a, why is it celebration? Celebration is that you here and we're having a party and we're together and we love each other. That's celebration. Not what I ingest in my body that actually, by the way, sugar lits up in your head the same way cocaine does. I don't know if you know that. That's so crazy. It is as much of an addiction as cocaine. And so people are like, you know, it's like I didn't want to let go of sugar because it's very difficult to let go of sugar. But um, we went far from your point. What was your point? No, you were giving advice. You were giving advice. Yes. My advice is, you know, be loving. It's like if you decide to eat the cookie jar, then enjoy the cookie jar because what's happening when you don't. So let's say you, okay, so you're in a situation where you can't seem to control what's happening and you do eat the cookie jar, you're stressing about it and feeling guilty about it is helping nothing. If anything, your body is put in a state of stress that it can't digest the damn thing. So if you're eating it, enjoy it. That's my thing. It's like, if you're going to have it, just have it without the noise in your head, you know, because that makes you feel guilty and guilty makes you unconscious and you eat even more. Do you feel like when you see people that are overweight, do you feel a kinship? Do you look at them differently? Do you, what's your reaction? I love your questions. This is the best interview I've ever had. <laughs> it's actually a conversation. That's why. Um, you know, I was at the Hollywood Bowl last summer and there was this two people that walked in that were as tall as they were wide. They were very, very large people and larger than I ever was, which makes no difference because at that point it becomes the same. But they walked in and they were both holding this really giant jar of, of, of popcorn and this other really giant jar of like 
you know, a soda drink of sorts. And they were slurping and they were eating. And I looked at them and I was like, I don't even know how to describe it, but to say I was disgusted. And I sat there and I was like, who the fuck have you become? Because you were that. Like you had a lot of jars of a lot of popcorn with a lot of soda. And somehow it's like I watched myself do that. And I was just sitting there like nothing made me more sad in my entire life than that moment. It was of realizing so, so that I realized that I'd become, I'd become that person. Like do you I'd, think it was more like I'm, I'm a sorry reminder? To say, I'm sorry to say I think it was just I had, I was no longer, I'm no longer that. I mean, obviously I switched a second I saw it and I had all this compassion come back up and all that. It was probably self-hate. Like it had a part of like, oh, I'm not that. Yeah. But but it was what it was. It's like the feeling came up and I was just like horrified. I love how honest you are. No, because by the way, a lot of people feel that way. That's why I wanted to ask you because I feel like that's a lot of people's reaction sometimes. It's like, oh, how did you become that? Yeah. Um, and you know it's complicated sometimes. It's, it's very complicated. It's not a simple answer how you... And how the other thing happens. that's crazy with it all is because I... Like, I'm an amazing person. I'm an amazing friend. Like, all my friends ask me to take care of their kids if something happens to them. It's like, I'm made of honor of everybody on the face <laughs> of the earth. It's like, I'm a really good person. But somehow, my weight is what defined, especially those years. It's like, that is what said if I was a good person or not. I'm still as kind. I'm still as funny. I'm still as smart. Now, when did you start knowing those things about you? As I was losing weight. I didn't. Because that's what I was going to ask you earlier. Like, when you're that heavy, and because you were saying everything goes through this filter, like, does this guy look at me, blah, blah, blah. Is that all you know about yourself too? Or do you know any of the stuff that's below? Like, are you connected or when aware you, of I it? I think when I was in it, I, I was that. That's all I was. So you were also defining yourself by that. Mm-hmm. So then it goes back to that question. Is it because you're defining yourself by that? Other or people are indirectly is. doing it? Or is it because society is doing it? I mean, to get woo-woo, as you said earlier, it's all energetic. So yes, my world matched exactly what I was doing inside of me. And so then you started losing the weight. And I'm guessing this also connects to sweating, right? I mean, you lost, right, which I love. Like you lost a lot through sweating, which I want you to talk about because those are benefits too, because I like that you have a holistic approach to it. It's not just like sweat and you're going to be skinny, which I appreciate. Yes. Um, But so you start losing this weight. And so what did you start noticing about yourself? You know, the the very first moment was um, there's this kind of radical moment in the refrigerator when I was, it was about 10 years ago. And it's two o'clock in the morning and I kind of walk somewhat sleeping to the fridge and I open the fridge and there's, so my thing, okay, so this is like omission, commission, what is it called? Um, confession. Confessional. <laughs> yes, confessional, which is that my thing was uh, Nutella with mayo. I would mix. Um, I only say that because I really gr- don't like mayonnaise. <laughs> it's gross. It's gross. It's like not only Nutella. Mayo grosses me out. I don't know why. Okay, so imagine a spoon. Yes, with no. Nutella so for me, anything mayo, with mayo, even if you said a healthy turkey well, sandwich. Imagine I'm like, butter. <laughs> imagine just Nutella with butter, just oh, for the yeah, sake of Yeah, that combination is pretty intense. It was super intense. So I would sit in front of my fridge, and I'd sit is the word. What I does it taste like? It's the sweet and the tangy. Is that what it did for you? It's more. It's more like the self-destructive. At this you point, just it's went more, for the worst. I just, of the I just worst. go for like something that's gonna hurt me as hell. That's what it is. Wow. So it wasn't even about any ounce of pleasure anymore. No, not at that point. Interesting. No. So I would literally pull up a chair because it's gonna. Take a while to be in the fridge and do all that. And I would literally sit there and just like down everything I could as fast as I could. And I would go back to bed. And one day, you know, one of those things where people, there's a sentence that people always was like, and, and I heard something. And it's like, who was talking? Like, I have no idea who was talking. Like, in my mind, it happened outside of me. I'm sure it happened inside of me. And something said something, not some force from some other universe, but I literally, something said inside of me, you can have all this food, but first, can you please feel your feelings? With that kind of like gentle energy. And I was like, 
what does that mean? <laughs> She's like, I was very confused because I didn't know how to feel my feelings. Of course. But I was just like, I'm going to try. I'm going to sit here for five minutes and not eat. And I was like the sweetest, like, you know, Brené Brown's thing about like the whole vulnerability. It's like, I think that's my first experience of being really vulnerable with myself. You how know? old were you at this point? It was, you know, 12, 12 years ago. It's incredible. So 40, 45, I want to say 45, so maybe 15 years ago. And I sat there and I started crying and I started being really, you know, angry and I and I felt desperate and I felt lonely and I just like the, you know, the fear of death. I mean, you name it. It was just like, whoa. Like, wow, this is all the, the shit big, I've been the not big, thinking, feeling for well, a long exactly, time. Exactly. So all that shit that's like, blah, blah, blah. And then I sat there and I was like, okay, you did good. Now you can have the Nutella. And I literally heard myself say, I don't want Nutella now. And I like closed my fridge and walked back to bed and I didn't eat. And that was it. That was the end. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning of the end, whatever we want to call it. The beginning of one thing, the end of the other. But it was just like, now it's like, I'm sad. I feel sad. It's like big deal. You know, plenty of things are sad in this world. We should be sad. You know, right. we just don't, we shouldn't stop our day to do that. So just, when you started feeling your feelings, what was the biggest surprise for you? You know how not threatening they actually were. Like there's this whole belief in, in my world, like if I got angry, I was actually going to kill somebody. Like my experience of myself as an angry person was like, I could, I really shouldn't feel it. Like it's not appropriate to feel it. And it's like, that's not true. It's like when you start feeling your feelings, you get pissed and then that's it. You're done. It's like, you get sad, you cry, you're done. It's like, I'm known, like my staff always jokes. Like when I do a staff meeting, it's like midway, I'll, midway, second sentence, I'll be crying. Like but then I'll like talk through and it's like, okay, big deal. You know, it's like, why, what have we, why have we learned to treat our feelings? Like it's the freaking devil, you know, it's like the most beautiful thing. And it is like when you can connect to your feelings, you connect to yourself. And then you don't need Nutella, alcohol, cigarettes. Because when I smoked, I smoked three and a half packs a day. Wow. So there's no pictures of me without a cigarette as a teenager. I smoked like a chimney because it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I feel sad. <laughs> Just like, you know, get that out. Now, were you married at this point when you were going through your the change? Well, my daughter had been born, so um, I was alone. I was alone. I was no longer with my husband. My daughter was upstairs sleeping when it happened. I lived alone with her. How old was she? Did she start noticing, like, besides the physical weight loss? The, the, sugar, the sugar was a big thing in our house because after the Nutella, I kind of decided to go. I really started looking at sugar as a drug, and I would not do heroin, like I said earlier. Like, I just don't shoot myself with something that's going to kill me, you know, in any way. And so sugar became that. And so... Those years were a little bit funny because she, at the time, was not that interested and she wanted to eat sugar. And so we had to negotiate, you know, like the, how we do it and how late in the day can we have it so that we don't go insane at night. So it was, it became a, a, an open conversation about, you know, well, you want sugar? Is there, is there anything else we can do? Like, do you want to play? Do you want to go do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to tell me what's going on from school? Whatever. Like we started to explore together what was going on that sugar was making sense to her. If that makes sense. For sure. And so when you sweat for the first time, yes. can, connect that then to like your metamorphosis, like your change. I had lost about 120 pounds already. It's amazing. When I started. So I lost about 70 since. Um, and, you know, sweating is an interesting thing because it's not, when you come out of the sweat, you're drenched, right? Like you can literally wring your clothes and water comes out. It's like you're that wet. So people think that that's what, it's it's water. That's just water. We just like sucked water out of you. <laughs> it carried toxins and it took energy to get it out of your body. That's what makes you lose weight. So it's, it literally is an effort. Just the way you think of it as like the air conditioner where when it hits a certain number, so let's say in your house it becomes like 75, the, the air conditioner goes, oh, I need to get on to, be, to get that down to like 72, 73, whatever. 
So what's happening is your body's doing the same thing. And the reason why air conditioning is so expensive is because it takes a lot of energy to cool something down. Your body is exposed to a temperature it doesn't know, and you're just basically like laying there doing nothing, but your body is adjusting. And by doing that, it's actually burning a lot of calories, which is why at the end, you've probably noticed your heart is beating like crazy. Like you, you end up like your session and it's like your heart is beating like you were just running a 10K when you're just laying there. Because it's a huge effort to lose, right. you know, to burn that much of the water. So you are burning a lot of calories. You it's are just burning you're not, calories. Right. And so you lost more weight than yes. through sweating. But you also, because I know one of the things you say, which I agree with, is you leave, you kind of want to eat a healthy meal. You, yeah. you, it really does start to change yes. your mindset. Yes. And that's sort of one of the, one of the most exciting things for me is that it's because it's a holistic approach the reason why you're eating might be different. So someone maybe eats because he's stressed. Well, sweating is going to help that. Maybe you overeat because you're exhausted and in the morning you want sugar just to kind of get you going with your coffee and your donuts and whatever you do. So that because is, that's because you're exhausted. Well, it's really good for sleep. And so if you sleep better, you wake up, you have more energy, you're not as tempted to go and have a donut. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's it's more of a, I don't know if you've ever seen this uh, commercial. It's a, it's a music video for... Uh, I want to say, okay, go. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen that? It's like a, oh, the one it's like, it's like a, it's like a domino. And like I the beginning it. of the thing is like, you know, someone clicks this, this domino and then there's an entire world. And like, it's shot in, it's a wonder. It's like, a wonder. Well, they've done it, they've done it multiple times, but when they do yeah. it, it's a wonder. And it, yes. that's the part that's crazy for me. It's like, it, it gives me such a good visual to like, sweating is that. Sweating is this little thing that you do that somehow starts the domino that ends up like creating this whole healthy, the better meal, the better relationship. Maybe you come home and you don't have a fight and maybe you come home and you don't have that drink and so maybe you don't go drink and with your buddies and maybe it's just somehow it's like it, it, it naturally without it being like a moral ethical blah blah whatever it's like you just want to because you naturally want to take care of yourself differently but that's what i love about you i mean one of the things from the first time we ever met was you have so many beautiful layers like you are all about the package like you aren't <laughs> just like oh this is what you do you you notice what all the layers are you get how they all work together thank you and and it's interesting that you're only finally really starting to own yes. that about yourself yes. and um you said you were writing a book. Yes. Has it been a struggle for you doing that? Or is it? I can't look at it as a struggle. No. I mean, it's it's not easy to write a book. I don't know if you've done the exercise. Have you done a book? No. It's a, it's, a, it's not an easy <laughs> thing because, first of all, because I run a company that has, you know, all these people. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. a, it's a pretty big thing. So I have to fit it in the middle of everything else, which is not easy. Although, you know, the expression, like, if you want something done, give it to someone who's very busy. Like, it's easier for me to fit in writing a book in some ways than if I was just, like, sitting around, I think, because I'm, you know, I'm doing so much. Uh, so time-wise, it's kind of a challenge thing. Then you sit there, and the exercise for me, because what I'm writing is, like, vignettes of all those stories. So the, the story I just told you of the fridge is in the book. And so you have to kind of, I had to kind of go back to the experience, but with the consciousness of today, but with the consciousness of then, because if I speak from, now I know the shit, that's not interesting. Right. I have to do it from the place of, I didn't. Like when I went to that fridge, I really did not know how to be with myself. And so it's kind of a, it's almost like a, like an alienation experience a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to be, it's, this smooth, it's, it's an odd thing a little bit to be, I think to be interesting, you have to get back there, but not stay there because that's not interesting. But one of the first things I said to you after we spoke, I was like, oh God, like I got chills and I had this hit where I'm like, you're a teacher, like you're here mm -hmm. to teach and to actually inspire. And remember I said, I go, Shape House is huge and is going to continue to grow because it is literally your platform so that you can go out and spread your word and your voice and be this gift to other people on top of the sweat, which is a huge gift. And I remember you told me a really beautiful story 
when you said that, because you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with that. You mm-hmm. yet don't see yourself that mm-hmm. way. And I'm like, it's fine. I see you that way. It'll happen. <laughs> don't worry. But, you, you know, you were saying how you struggle with seeing yourself that way. And you told, I don't know if you remember me, because I would love for you to share a beautiful story about you had to give a talk somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there was one woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you share it? Yeah, for sure. So there was a, I was doing a talk and there was a young woman in the front that, you know, was probably as heavy as I was maybe even a little bit heavier and she was really with me like the entire time she was shaking her head and she was somewhat crying it's like I could tell that she was very moved by what was happening and so when the talk was over and she was kind of shy so she waited for everybody to be gone and then she kind of ran after me on the street a little bit and she kind of grabbed me and said you know not in a creepy way that sounded creepy not in a creepy way at all It was (laughs) just a very moving kind of moment and she said I don't know if you know that about yourself but you you transformed me and you touched me so deeply and I've been suicidal that's been kind of the the trend she was going through and she that night had experienced herself in a way that she felt like she had seen the light she could she could find options for herself and answers for herself and she kind of and she walked away and I don't even know her name which is really I mean I hope one day she comes back and says chills every time you tell this it's story. such a moving moment because I I that's what made me kind of get off my whatever and just be like enough enough of this ego of like should I do it am I enough am I good enough do I deserve it's like who cares it's like I've done something like if I was riding horses really well I would go out and say do you want to learn how to ride a horse let me show you that I've done that for 20 years it's like it's the same thing it's like there's no it doesn't make me a better person. I've learned from all the people who did it before me. And now I've learned a couple of things that I kind of want to share with people. And But this woman just like gave me that. I gave a gift to her, I think. And she certainly gave me one because that moment was like, it's over. Like I'm done with the should I, could I, would I, any of that, you know? And she gave me permission. She really, it's almost like if it helped her, I have to do it. Like it's no longer about do I want to. Right, know? it's beyond you. It's beyond it's like me. You have the ability to actually you know, and you said it at the wall, like I pray yes. for peace in the world. And yes. it's like, you have the ability. And to I was young. I was really young to know that. To do you know. that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're incredible. I could talk you're incredible. to you I forever. can talk to you. Forever. I know. I love talking with you. <laughs> but I mean, part of the reason I love talking to you is because you do, you have such wisdom and you speak from a place of a lot of experience. I feel like you've just experienced, I mean, whether it be talking as a mom, whether it be as someone who's been overweight and losing as an entrepreneur, I mean, you have so much experience of different levels to talk about and you're very raw about it, which I think is great. Thank you. So just one more topic that I just popped. So if you're in your fifties now and you're single and you're looking fucking great and you're like on top of the world, you're an entrepreneur, you're like literally kicking ass in business in ways that people just would beg for like an ounce of that. You're discovering yourself as a strong woman who's actually impacting people around. So what is that like now to date? I mean, it's a whole different world and you're in your fifties. Like this is the confidence people sometimes like want or have in their twenties when they're going out. So how, how's it changed for you? First of all, I know what I want and I know what I don't want. And I think before, especially... Should we say what you want here and then we can like put it out there? <laughs> let's, put a, let's put a bolo. <laughs> no, because I actually think that it's... Um, well, let me answer the other thing. So what's changed is I now care about myself in a way that being with me is a really fun thing. Like I don't, I don't feel a need to avoid being with me like I may have done before. So... I would enter relationships out of, well, that's better than nothing. Because when you're 350 pounds, anything is better than nothing. You know, it's like it has this, actually in the book, I tell the story about this sordid thing with a 
peep, what do you call them in English? Like, a, there was a guy at school that would like masturbate in front of our school. Oh, like gross. a Tom, like a peep, like peeping Tom. Yeah, gross is the word. <laughs> but, you know, as a young, very fat person, it was like, I kind of developed this weird thing with him where I would go and I would be near the car when he was doing it because sordid was better than nothing. Right, you it know? made and you it's, feel it like It made me feel were, like there was a connection. Someone was watching there, you. Someone was watching you and what I, the fact that I was there made it different for him. I mean, it was like super, I mean, super psycho. Super psycho, but you know it's 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 a complicated journey, as you said earlier. So I think what has changed, I do better than peeping doms now, <laughs> <laughs> but just slightly. She's only looking for slightly. I'm guys. just I'm looking a little bit better. Um, yeah, I think I now I will be on a date, and someone will say something that is a red flag. And then before I would have been like, eh, it's just an orange flag. It's just yellow. No big deal. You know, it's like, no, this person said that he really doesn't like children. Or this person just said that he really cares about money more than people. It's like, that shit, I don't want to be around, you know? So I think what has changed is when I hear things that are, um, when I'm discovering someone, I don't ignore me in the process. Like I bring me to the date now. I think before I wasn't, I just was coming along because... He was giving me attention, you know, and that. And young, that's how you're going to find the perfect partner, like the person who compliments you. If he you. exists, you know, maybe he and doesn't. And if not, it's also okay because things whatever. are great. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You yes. know what I love about all of this, like thematically, and I, it makes sense why we were so excited you guys came in as our neighbors because we do align on I think the main tenant of when you hear yourself and get to know yourself, and you've said this in every realm of what you've spoken about, that is when it all starts to make sense. And that's the only yeah. time you can actually make clear decisions. Yeah. And for you, it started with your own voice telling yes. you, like, sit with your feelings for five yes. minutes, and yes. then you can have then a you can have <laughs> But that was the first time you actually listen. heard yourself or yes, listened I'm to sure yourself. I'm sure you probably said it all along. Probably, but that was One the moment for some reason. That and so you, that was the first time you actually said, hi there, like, yes, nice who to are meet you. you. Right. Yes. And it's continued throughout. And you yes. also said about what you do and provide for everybody who are on these beds sweating, that it's a moment that you actually are kind of stuck with yourself yes. and you have to I check force in them to get them. But I love that. It's like, so people are stuck Lovingly. with themselves yeah, and like bit. have to actually take some time yes. to listen and greet themselves. And that's yes. part of the holistic approach yes. besides just sweating. And so I kind of just love that everything ties into that. I think it's just really beautiful what you do. And I what never you actually live. thought of it that way. I love that you said that because it is, there's something about I've created an experience that if one chooses to, doesn't have to, but if you come sweating regularly, there's a good chance at some point you're going to hear something to yourself that has to do with, Hey, are you taking care of yourself? Yeah. You know, like some version of that. There is a good chance people would. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, that's no, really to me, that's what like kept yeah. ringing. I'm like, oh, it's it's what you do. It's what finally happened to you. It's what, you know, that woman who you touched, um, not inappropriately, no. <laughs> emotionally, but that gave you the moment and the power yeah. for you to be like, fuck, yeah, I should yeah. be helping people. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. She said the same thing. She's like, I finally was in myself. That's what, yes. right? What, the words were like, I finally yeah. felt myself. I yeah. finally was in myself. So it's the yeah. same thing. It's like you're giving people the gift of meeting themselves. Yes. Which I think is so. This is going in the book. This was really good. I'm oh, actually write, writing. That about was my that. goal the whole time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you made my list of whatever it's called at the end, like my credits. Um, oh, that's great. My thank yous. Well, well let's do your four yous really quickly because you have so much to share, and these are just four quick takeaways Go. for our audience. Yeah. So, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? I do not touch the ground until I feel uh, appreciation. 
So I literally will sit there. Often I get up without having to do much because I feel very appreciative, but sometimes I don't. And I will sit there and I would literally play the thing almost like when you're a kid and it's like the water's a poison and you can't touch them, you know? So I try to get to the ground and it's like my body goes, no, not yet. And I get get back my foot back up and I'll sit there and I'll be like, I'm really grateful because I'm seeing you today. And I'm grateful because, you know, I have a great car. I'm grateful because I ride a motorcycle, whatever. It's like I just, until I feel it and then I can go do my day. Right, not just say it until you actually no, can I have feel to your feel body it. change. And I know the difference. Yeah. I know the difference. I didn't. For a long time, I would be like, okay, they said I need to do 10 sentences of gratitude. You know, I would just do whatever I was told, but it's like, that's different. This is really like, I changed my chemicals to like be in an appreciative place. And only place. then you get up. And then I get up. Favorite self-care hack? Um, Probably... I would say my motorcycle, actually. Like, I, I ride a Harley. You probably know that about me by now. Uh, I, I will go to ride my bike when I'm not feeling in my heart. I will literally, I know everybody's like, I take those pills and I do those creams. Like, to me, it's like I get out of my, like, house, literally, and I go put wind on my face by riding my, my motorcycle. And it just gives it you. It just gives me what I need. It just kicks my, I don't know what it does, but it gets my endorphins going, and I'm just clearer and happier. And I just, you know, even When did you start riding a motorcycle? Three years ago. Love that. Yeah, late 40s. Just had a desire. Just like that. What type of meditation do you rely on the most? Well, riding my motorcycle. <laughs> um, I'm a one-answer person. Um, you know, probably I, I was taught, I was given a mantra when I was 17 years old. Um, I've never said it out loud. It's something that's one of the things I have that is the most um, contained inside of me. And I can do it on the market, sitting around, you know, when I'm waiting for something. Like one of my favorite things is to wait for someone in a restaurant, which everybody gets so upset about. To me, I'll just sit there and just like literally just recite my mantra in my head because I, I like doing it at home as well. And I do it, you know, most days. I like doing it in the middle of my day. I like I like doing it when it's like um because I'm a practical meditator, I'm not a, like I said earlier, like I'm not doing this to like transcend my whatever in my next life. Right. I'm doing it to be a better mother and a better friend and a better boss and a better whatever. So I, I like doing it throughout the day. What is a piece of life advice if you could give one piece of advice? There's something about we, we take things personally and we, we assume the worst from people often. I did for a long time. And someone would say something and I would look at them as like, how can I use what they just said? I mean, I didn't do it that consciously, but immediately it would translate into, what is that saying about me that's a bad thing? And now I do the exact opposite. Like, no matter what people say, people can be like yelling at me and I'd be like, what is the beautiful thing they're trying to tell me about me? Like, I'm literally, like, I've become like such a naive, which I love. I just, I assume the best in people. That's my my favorite piece of something is just like, don't, don't take what people say against you. They don't care enough. It is so true. I mean, so many arguments could be wiped away. Yes. If you just, because people always go to the negative or assume you're, and, yes. some, and sometimes we don't communicate clearly and people yes. just assume you're saying X instead of Y. That's my favorite thing lately. It's like, when you said X, what did you mean? And the person say, oh, I mean that I will be late because blah, blah, blah. It's like, it has nothing to do with you. Right. You're like, oh, okay. it, it, 99% of the time it has nothing to do with you, but you make it about you and therefore you hurt yourself with it. I love that tactic of actually just right away being like, oh, what did you mean by that? Yes. Instead of like Asking. in your head being like, I can't believe they meant this. And then it's like you, all of a sudden you're like, in Tokyo and the other person is like in Egypt and it's like what just happened and know? then it takes a while to like dissipate those emotions yes I know yes. this has been such an incredible conversation thank you again if you um don't know Shape House absolutely go try it, it it's so amazing for your soul beyond thank everything you. else and now Sophie's going to lead us in her personal practice a five-minute meditation on self-reflection and appreciation 
All right, so let's just close our eyes for a moment, unless you're driving and then, you know, don't. And let's just take a moment to take a deep breath and be present with yourself, whatever that means to you. Just maybe touch your body, like maybe a part of your leg or maybe put your hand on your heart. Just anything that makes you kind of like connect with this vehicle. Because our bodies are one of the most direct ways that we can experience our spirituality. Because while we're talking and doing whatever we're doing, we're breathing, we're thinking, we're moving our legs, our eyes are seeing when they're open. So there's all that stuff that's happening that we don't, we take it for granted. And it's miraculous, really. And so this is a practice of just in the moment appreciating the millions of things your body is doing right now so it can take you from point A to point B. It is from that body that you get to think new ideas, you get to cure things, you get to invent, you get to care, you get to love your children, you get to love yourself. Just from this like bag of bones and blood and all sorts of things that are like moving around, that vehicle is what allows you to be, to be you. Which, by the way, you can be anything you want to be. It's like the letters of the alphabet a little bit. Like from those 26 things, we can write anything. Every poetry, at least in English, any poetry, any or other languages that use that alphabet. We can just write all these different things just by mixing those words differently. And the body's the same way. You can hug, you can walk, you can pick up someone at the airport that you love. You can do all these beautiful things from just this one container. So this is just a moment, even if it's just a few seconds, to just say thank you for these vehicles that were given to get us from point A to point B. So let's take care of them. Whenever you're ready, we can open our eyes, those beautiful eyes that can see. Thank you. Then Talks is produced by Michael Burke, Mike Burns, Reem Edon, Nicole Rappi, and music by Alex Fetter. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also, wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. Okay, so as promised, Sophie and Shape House are giving you each a free sweat, which is pretty amazing. That's a $50 value. All you have to do is go into a location. It is in-house only. You tell them you are a Dentox podcast listener. Give them the code S-H-X-D-E-N, so like Shape House and Den together. Also show them that you follow them on Instagram and you are good to go. So again, here are the rules. Go into a location, follow them on Instagram, and tell them the code S-H-X-D-E-N, and then sweat for free.